Welcome to the show. I'm Mikey. And it's your girl Zay Day. We are two social justice warriors dedicated to dismantling systems of oppression through a black, black queer, queer feminist lens. Feminist lens. Yes, this podcast will cover a variety of topics ranging from politics in our country to which new bop you can twerk to. Hey. <laughs> yep. And while we're twerking, y'all can start following. Search Black to the Future on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join in the conversation. And don't forget to leave positive reviews for us on your streaming platforms. Yes, please leave positive reviews. With the reach of this podcast, we desire to change the world one episode at a time. Yep, and I think it's time we get started, don't you think? Yep, let's get it! The The past past is gone, gone. the present present is an adventure. adventure. Looks like it's time to to go go black to the future. future. Cue the theme music. (laughs) Yeah. everyone to another lovely episode of Black to the Future podcast. Oh, there we go. Oh, I did a double up. It was like, oh, see, okay. I love this. All right. This is fantastic. So as y'all know, I have this running series on the show where I interview men, particularly black men who are attracted to trans women and they come on and talk about their experience. However, as we know, this conversation is not limited to men who are cisgender. We also have other folks who are outside of that spectrum as well. So we have transmasculine folks. I believe I had um, last summer, I had Zaheer come on and talk about his experience as a trans man who's attracted to trans women. So go check out that episode. But I also have this lovely guest who I'm excited to be here, a trans activist to the stars, because that's a fun way to describe him. Uh, We have Elijah Alter. (laughs) Thank you for having me on today. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And this lovely ambiance we've already kind of talked about beforehand, but this this peaceful ambiance behind you. Yes. Okay, so of course you gotta have, and one of my favorite things, and I think I say this all the time, is like I feel like trans masculine people are like some of the coolest people I think I've ever met in my entire life. Like, like y'all always seem just like it's fine, it's okay, and like y'all seem like on another plane field, like 
Where does, where, yeah. um, we're going to get to the real questions, but I just want to throw this in here. Why y'all think that is? Why do you think that y'all just a little bit more chill than everybody else? I think that it has to go with some of the experiences that we've already had. Um, we just crave peace mm. <laughs> and sanity. And I think that once we realize like who we really are or start to develop who we really are, um, the need for chaos, whether that's like in our spaces or in our lives starts to like dissipate mm. and we start to like form more of a, a stable sense of self. So we were just like, mm. no, I love it. And, and the, I, I, I agree. I think it's the idea. It's like, and we'll get to this in, in a moment here. I promise you, I promise. We, 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 we fall in the format, but I just, I just, this came to my mind. So I always think right off the top of my head. But I always think it's like for y'all's experience, you got to have the air quotes, little girl experience of the warm, nurturing kind of thing. And then you're like, no, this isn't me. And then you take the warm nurturingness and you kind of carry it over into your new affirmed mm -hmm. self. And it makes you just like, a sweet, warm, approachable man who's a little bit more calm, more confident, more um, like you understand things a lot better. And I'm just like, oh, that's hot. I love <laughs> I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I do, I do go hard for the trans in my community. I will preface that by saying there is a version of, you know, that trans experience that we have to go through to get to be in those stable, calm versions of ourselves. Mm. And that's very much steeped in toxic masculinity. It's very much steeped in, you know, misogyny because to be a man, we've only learned through media, outside influences around us. We haven't had the time to develop what being a man is to us. Mm. Um, so we have to go through a very toxic period to get through this enlightened place of having both experiences, both feminine and masculine. Mm. Beautiful. Nothing like the trans experience to teach you some things. And that's what they're afraid of. That's what they're afraid of, baby. I think people are too scared to admit that they have toxic qualities within themselves and talk about it to heal the toxic qualities. Um, the queer community, we, we're coming from a community of trauma. So if that's all we know, that's how we're going to operate. Mm. Um, taking those steps back to really acknowledge not only like, oh, this is all the harm that's been done to me. But because all of this harm has been done to me, this is also how I operate and this is how I'm perpetuating harm. Mm. Woo! Okay, it's only been what? About five minutes and we already got gems. That's the whole episode. Let's cut it right there. <laughs> okay, no, I'm just kidding. Thank you. So Listen, healing will teach you some things. Oh, it, it it most definitely will. But let's 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 kind of backtrack a little bit. So Elijah, can you please tell everyone um, your pronouns and uh, how you identify? Just to kind of let that landscape kind of be out there. We kind of did a little bit already, but just so the people can hear how you like to introduce yourself to your 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 public. <laughs> um. So I am a jack of all trades and. All, all the things that I do are under the spectrum of trans activism. Um, but that, whether that be sex positive and sex worker support, whether that be trans youth activism, um, whether that be trans healthcare, trans parenting, um, just kind of the umbrella of anything 
trans and trans masculine is kind of what I, I stand a voice in. I share my own experience and in my own experience, I've learned the toxic parts about myself and the healthy parts for myself and used my platform as a way to catalog it in my own growth and found a way that that also helps um, others identify in themselves too uh, and bring up conversations that others might be too scared to bring up. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I, it's, it's the facilitation of conversations. That's that's why I have my platform. That's why I do this is just so people can, um, I, I learned this from Diamond Style, shout out to Diamond, is that allowing... Shout out to Diamond. See, because you're smart and you have taste. Um, but the the concept of allowing people to learn things from our experiences just passively by listening so they won't have to feel like they're, you know... We've, I think we've had enough Zoom calls in, a, a, <laughs> in the in the last couple of years, and a lot of and, and a lot of like here. Let me illustrate and demonstrate what this shit means to you all, so you can understand what my life means and why it has value. It's like no, just if you listen to how we talk about things and what we mean and how we say things, you'll relate to it too, and you'll understand it as well. And I really want to make sure people take that away um, from. majority of all the things and the thing and the content that I put out so however comma we missed a a a crucial detail we just want to know your pronouns too just so he him okay thank you (laughs) I just want to make sure so when people refer to this episode or if I or um or whatever I'll be like "Uh uh-uh he said it right there don't don't do that because people love to try with these pronouns as if they're new things for some reason but um yeah that that face right there that one right there um but let's kind of go on to this next thing I wanted to ask about of course and I always ask this at the beginning of every episode when I interview folks is how is your blackness how are you doing as a black person in this lovely world today oh that's a question I don't think I've ever in my 26 years of life been asked don't say 26 Um, lord now I feel old okay (laughs) listen I'm so wise um I think it's a it's a constant struggle to feel where I feel validated in my blackness but feeling like either figuring out how much space to hold for my blackness understanding that I am light-skinned and that I do have pretty privilege Mm. and how that also directly harms um Black folks who are darker skinned than I or not in the same positions as I. Mm-hmm. Um, and being very aware of that, but also not diminishing my blackness mm-hmm. in a way to, as a scare tactic for people to try to take it away from me. Mm-hmm. No. So, con- a bad, you know, we're balancing. Very, um, very the scales, you know, very Libra about it. I, I, I like that because I also kind of find myself in that predicament too. I'm a, you know, I think I'm a nice caramel colored something you know but it's definitely yeah. not darker skin by any comparison um so I definitely want to do the same thing as you're talking about it's like what privilege do I have okay I have this so what can I do with this and you know if you're gonna look at me because I'm pretty and I'm lighter skin I might as well have something to say behind it so that part that's where I'm kind of at with it and you know I, I will never understand the experience of darker skinned people, especially, you know, my butch queen friends who are darker skinned men and like, you know, white women clutching their purses like, oh, no, not you. Like, I'm like, girl, if you only knew they 
they probably want your purse. So it's like to, to model like, girl, you're not pumping it, pump it, push it, this thing. Like, you know, very that. But I uh, I, I understand that, that, that they have a harder time when it comes to that. You know, even in our queer community, it's very much about if you lighter skin most of the time. So, and it's particularly in the black community and people are, I feel like we're just now starting to have that conversation. I feel like we're just now getting there where people are like, no, I don't like lighter skinned people for any particular reason. I'm like, girl. I, it's been a weird concept to grasp as I grew up with an African father. And I have to say that whereas there is such a difference with growing up with blackness and Africanness. Mm. And I, can you talk there's about pros about and cons to it because there's already built-in colorism in the African community mm. um, where lighter skinned people aren't seen as greater or better. Mm. I remember going over um, for my first time and like it was a very like controversial thing for my dad to bring me home being as light as I was. Mm. Like it was seen as like being a traitor or uh like a how could you mm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. So then to come to the United States where it's such a hierarchy thing was so confusing to me. Because mm-hmm. um, I never felt pretty or like higher. Um, and then getting adopted into a white family, I definitely didn't feel pretty or higher. There's the meme that it's like, were you ugly or were you just raised with white people? And I was like, Oop. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> this face. I and that's very it was an epiphany. I think that's so interesting and I appreciate you sharing that and we'll definitely get more into it but the concept of like darker skin and more richly melanated skin is obviously the 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 praise and the source for probably African people like you're talking about like that's mm-hmm. the you are like, oh God, I can only imagine. I'm just thinking about like the old portraits and the and the and the statues and the things we find now of like very dark skinned black, like like legitimately Beautiful. black skinned people, and it's gorgeous. And they were like, this is it. This is the pinnacle. This is everything. And then you get here, and they're like, girl, nice try. You close, but no. And then you're in the opposite, where you're completely like flipped. And then it's like, no, you're not everything here. And then you shift over to this side. And now you're just like everything. And you're like, I can only imagine how overwhelming and like overly stimulating that probably was being like, okay, I just got here. This is attention and what y'all want. Like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I like these faces. It's a very weird cultural thing Um, because then there's the kids who are brought up here and like know it um, and they live in it. Like they know mm-hmm. their light skin privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and in ways where like, in some ways it is end up directly harming our darker skin community right. because of the way that the, you know, our light skinness gets bolstered and amplified in this and that. Whereas for me, like I grew up around dark skinned women and that was the epitome of beauty to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very confusing to ha- like come somewhere where it was like a shame 
Right. Or like people were like downing it, even in our own communities. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's uh, I, I could, we could spend here all day, but. <laughs> Um, but that's not what this episode is about. It's it's about. not, but we're getting gems, and it's only been the first segment, and I really appreciate. I love when we get gems in the first segment, because I'm just like, oh, this is gonna be one of those episodes I can go back and listen to again and be like, I missed that the first fucking time. I'm gonna go back and listen to this again. So I love that. What what the young kids say? Keep the same energy. <laughs> Keep that same energy throughout. Um, but before we go into the first break, and then we're going to come back and hear about your black story, which is very, um, very unique from what I've heard so far. Um, but before we do that, I want to hear your perception and how you would define black masculinity, or if you want to be really specific, black trans masculinity, which you kind of touched on already a little. Yes. I think how I define black trans masculinity is being able to hold your vulnerability up into the sky without it being seen as a weakness, Ooh. without it having any, any implications of like, you have to be overly soft, you don't have to be overly hard, you don't have to present feminine to be attached to your femininity, you don't have to present masculine to, to attach to your masculinity. I think for the trans mask, for my trans mask experience, um, masculine experience, it's really just been defining masculinity on my own terms without others' perceptions or definitions mm. and letting that be good enough. Not just defining it, but letting it be good enough so when others do try to challenge it, I'm already securing it for myself. Mm. Woo! I need every man that... <laughs> That's just mass. That I think that's well. Let me just re, let me stop. I think that's beautiful. I love ex- everything you said. I'm going to catch the Holy Ghost in about five seconds. Um, but I really want to say I think that should be everyone. The confidence and the security in oneself to know exactly who I am. Being able to feel comfortable to be vulnerable enough to say this is who I am and I'm presenting it to the world. And I think we already talked about this at the beginning. Is the p- people are afraid of that um, vulnerability, particularly from our community, because we're literally saying, I'm letting you into the most intimate part of um, who I am. I'm allowing you to come into my space and know me um, a lot better. Um, I think one of our previous guests, shout out to Randy, who said, we're not coming out, we're inviting you in. And I love that concept and I love that idea. so I really appreciate that. And particularly as masculinity is perceived as this rigidness. And I don't even know how folks who are masculine operate in that space who really are, you know, stuck to their, you know, I guess they're stuck in that box. Like, um, how do you do anything? How do you talk to people? How do you communicate? You know, are you even being honest with yourself and all that kind of stuff? And that's usually when my biggest thing is when it comes to masculinity and particularly with cishet black men who haven't had the opportunities to explore that level of vulnerability because they've been boxed in so much by their, um, you know, peers in society and X, Y, and Z. And the concept of allowing someone to see you vulnerable just makes you lesser than, which 
I, 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 I don't understand how we can make so many movies and make so many TV shows about how the sweet, vulnerable guy always gets the girl and the guy with all the money and stuff never is successful. I'm just like, have we all watched these same movies? I'm like, y'all need to watch rom-coms because that's exactly what happens every fucking time. Listen, I think that, I don't know, I find it is a lot easier for trans masculine people when you get to a point where you've realized that there's two ways to look at the trans masculine um, experience. And one, you first transition and you're, you get a sense of yourself, but then you, you get all this resentment because then you realize how messed up your experiences was before transitioning mm -hmm. and how as a person that you now have all this privilege you you're like well I don't understand because I have the person I would never do that mm. um, and then you start realizing and sitting with yourself and your masculinity and you're like oh what if what if this is actually like productive and what if this is just like stuff that I've taken from TikTok or TV shows or like my guy friends from high school or my uncle J Steve who gets all the girls mm. all the girls um, <laughs> it's just like a lot of just like toxic misogyny and some of it does come from girls mm. like and that's kind of where it's hard too is like femmes also can protrude toxic masculinity and misogyny um, so it's just once you get past that and you sit with yourself and you're like okay, then you realize, like, instead of, oh, look at all, like I said, look at all the harm that's done to me, done to me, but it's just, like, how have I used this harm and now wielded it on the same people that i supposed to love or be in community with? Come on now. Oof. And then you see masculinity for what it really is. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to stop the show right here. Thank you all so much for... <laughs> I am so serious. These are just like gems. I can't do this. This is so beautiful. I, um, this is fantastic. But before we um, make this first segment a little bit too long, um, we're going to take a small break. I uh, want y'all to marinate on that for a, a hot minute. Elijah is just, <laughs> I don't know if Elijah was the prophet in the Bible and spitting gems like this, but Jesus H. Christ in heaven. <laughs> Somebody going to fact check that about the Bible. Somebody know about the Biblioteca. Anyway, uh, we will come back after this small break um, and we're going to get into Elijah's Black story. Be right back. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are black again with Elijah Alter. And that first segment was gems, gems, gems galore. So I can't wait to see how the rest of this goes. And I promise we'll definitely get into um, Elijah's relationship um, with trans women. I promise it's part of this episode. But we like to um, lay the foundation, of course. And so can you please tell us all about your childhood? You already kind of started talking a little bit about it. But, like, where you grew Husband. up, family dynamic, all that stuff. Have, do we have a pen and paper to trace the math of this story? <laughs> um, to put this in, I am uh, an adopted child. Mm. So, and did not by a single home adoption. So, there's, I grew up in a lot of different homes. And I grew up with a lot of different people that I called family. Mm. And, for, and parents. 
I think I have like six moms and no dad figures, maybe one dad figure. Um, which is why my relationship to masculinity was through the lens of femininity. Mm. And, uh, my first adopted mother was a radical feminist, um, an old white lady feminist Mm -hmm. who did the whole, like strapping herself to nuclear plants in the seventies. Love it. Love that. Love that for her (laughs) on the no flight list since I was born, called every president to threaten his life at least three times in their presidency. Okay. Except for Obama. She was very proud about that one. (laughs) We'll we'll take it. Um, But yeah, I grew up with my bio parents never should have been a thing. Um, my dad is African Muslim Mm -hmm. and my mom is European Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they had, my dad was married at the time when he met my mom. So I'm already the, like, I'm the child who broke it all. I'm the first mixed breed. That's what they would call me. Mixed breed child of my entire family on both sides. Mm. So. Oh, they was breaking the rules. Very Romeo and Juliet about it. So my white family was very like, we don't. Mm. And my black family was like, we don't. And then my dad dipped and my his wife was like, I'm a black woman who can't even give birth, but you're going to have babies with a white woman. Ooh, but my mom didn't know. So it was a whole hot mess. It was actually the first time that showed me that femininity is just, like the power of women is stronger than anything I've ever seen because his wife came around and has been my mother my entire life. Mm. Mm-hmm. She stepped up and instead of blaming my mom, she did the right thing and was like, men are trash, women support each other. Mm-hmm. And as a black woman, to give that much grace to a white woman, especially because she couldn't give this man children and he did the one thing, mm-hmm. like that amount of power and grace from a black woman is how I, I started my journey on like realizing myself and what that meant for myself, how mm-hmm. much kindness is so much better than force. Mm. Um, and then growing up, I've lived all over the world, um, <laughs> traveling with different parents. My father was military, and that mm-hmm. led me into, you know, feeling like masculinity was, especially from like a Muslim father, like masculinity was the epitome of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a very early developing child and that brought up a lot of attention mm. and that, you know, for vagina bodied people, the experiences of growing up and developing, let alone just for normal cis, you know, presenting children is already hard enough, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, a child of trans experience figuring out their trans experience. Right. Um, I started to present more masculine around eight years old and that was the first time I verbally told my parents at the time that I was a boy and they thought it was cute that I was like my older brothers Mm. but that was the extent of that like it's cute that you wear your brother's spider-man underwear and a cape around the house at home home. closed doors Mm -hmm. very that but out there you've got your frilly dresses and um prepared for Easter Sunday gig Mm -hmm. You, you know your place. 
uh, in high school is when I really started to own that masculinity in the smallest place that I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, my freshman year, I came out as a lesbian and played varsity football. <gasps> wow. I had to petition school board to allow me to try out, and I was the first girl girl at the time to play for the varsity football team, and I didn't play like a soccer or a, a kicker or a um, quarterback. I was center and left tackle. Wow. So I was the first offensive line as small as I was. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, first of all, let me thank you for telling that, the backstory. And um, I want to applaud your, um, you know, your mom for taking that step to say like, you know, this shit may not have been what I wanted to be, but I'm going to step up and accept what's taking place right now. And by shit, I mean what, you know, your father has created and concocted. But, and by by extension, created someone beautiful in you. And, you know, she said, you know, no, we're going to do what needs, what is necessary and make sure that this child has a beautiful yeah. life and grow and foster and obviously it worked out and you petitioned to go into high school and, and do football. See, I don't know much about football, but if you're going to put yourself out there willingness, willingly to get tackled, I applaud you. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I was really proud of it. But in hindsight, I actually want to bring awareness to that that mindset and that rhetoric for trans masculine people is that the idea that we can only get validated in our hardship or in how much Mm. we can take on Mm -hmm. um because football turned into me transitioning and going into the military where i felt like to be the best way to be received as man or be respected as man is to do the ultimate man thing in high school that was football that's like the ultimate masculine thing you can do Mm. Uh, in my adulthood it was the military that was about being the most masculine thing i could see myself doing and that put me you know, that was me unknowingly, but willingly putting myself through more trauma in the, the masculine experience of unhealed, you know, misogyny and, and toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out of the military 2020, uh, April 2020, and then protesting happened, mm-hmm. and the pandemic happened. Um, and I spent that last three years just like without technology, like major technology. I had my phone, but I didn't have a TV or a laptop or um a tablet no technology in my room i had plants i had books i had you know my guitar and i had myself and i really had to like sit with myself Mm -hmm. um is when i started to unlearn you know all the things that i thought were okay Mm -hmm. um and also hold accountability because i learned that i'm really easy to gaslight because of you know experiences that vagina body people already have of being gaslit mm-hmm. um so i found myself in those same situations in community but repackaged mm-hmm. in in a new format in a new kind of way mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I love this idea of you kind of sitting by yourself and being okay with being by yourself and allowing that to come over you. And it sounds like soul searching. And I think a lot of folks ended up doing that during the pandemic, especially when it was first happening and things like that. And I really admire the fact that you really took it to the place where it needed to go, where it was like, 
this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to hone in on who I am and think about those kind of aspects of my life and what do I want to do kind yeah. of moving forward. So I really admire that. I also don't want to make light of the fact that community needs support. So this idea that I see there's so much rhetoric about like sit with yourself, learn yourself, you know, and I do agree with that. Sit with yourself, learn yourself, mm -hmm. but I didn't do this on my own. Um, and it takes the fact that we ha can come into space and have these conversations because mm -hmm. people, when you're with yourself, you only know what you know. Mm -hmm. It takes experiences. It takes uh, conversations. It takes being uncomfortable. It takes being triggered. It takes all of those things to be in places because you can be with, alone by yourself and have the best time and you're all by yourself. Great. I've mm -hmm. learned myself. I know how to keep myself happy. I know how to keep myself accountable when I'm with myself, but when you're out in the world with other people, how do you move? How do you take in when you need to be held accountable? Mm -hmm. How do you hold accountability? You know, how do you move through the world as a person? It, you need community. You need to be able to have access to people. So don't self-isolate yourself, um, but do self-regulate yourself. Mm, very that. I, I completely agree. I think there's so much to be said about the idea of like, I'm going to work on myself. And then, like you said, once you get that part, it's like, all right, I'm happy you did that. But there's life outside of the four walls, excluding, you know, excluding you in this moment. There's other people out there you have to learn how to adjust and maneuver and communicate with. And those moments of discomfort, those moments of um, miscommunication or, or, you know, even if they get a little bit more escalated and get hostile and things like that, the, I feel like those are the times where you want to kind of recenter and go like, okay. And it's hard to do those things because we're not always trained to do those things. Um, but I think recentering and saying like, okay, I know who I am and maybe I'm not saying things the correct way. And that's where the accountability comes in. Or maybe this person has a different experience that completely clashes with what I'm presenting to them, you know, as it can attack a core value. And that could be something that they haven't worked on yet. And you can't control um, other people, nor do you have, you know, like when people say like they want superpowers to be like mind control, I'm always like, I don't want that. That's crazy. I don't want to control people. I want people to have their own agency over themselves. And I want them to have the willingness to find it within themselves like I found it within myself. So I definitely understand and resonate with what you're talking about. So thank you for saying that. And um, so I kind of want to start talking about the fun stuff. So you kind of mentioned you like the identity of, of being a lesbian at first. So, and you know, you were like, I'm a boy when you were eight, which is sickening. I wish I would, I don't even know. My parents would probably not tell me if I said I was a girl when I was eight. They'd be like, oh no, she's just playing. <laughs> Go put some clothes on, you know, bury that. Um, so can you talk about this journey from, you know, lesbian to where we are now? Yeah. Um, so I, I identified as liking girls from a very, very young age. Like, if anybody knew anything about me, they knew that I liked girls from three years old. I was trying to steal my older brother's girlfriends. I've always been that. I'm, I'm that child. Um, Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> I, listen, and even to this day, if you, if you don't step up and I see you don't step up, I will. Oop. I'm not afraid. If I see you mistreatment, I'm, I'm going to say, mm. 
And we love. I can't show. steal nobody. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think it was around 19 when I started transitioning. I had a really hard moment with that because I was engaged to a white conservative Texan work girl. And it was already hard enough to be a lesbian with a black lesbian with her, let alone transitioning into masculinity, um, which she projected all of her fears um, once I physically started transitioning. Mm -hmm. And that kind of put me through a loop in the idea of what that meant, where she had kind of projected that I will never be a a real man. I'm always going to look like a lesbian. Um, I'm always going to have a body of a lesbian. And so that really kind of deterred me from wanting to date, be romantic, or interact with anyone for four years I was celibate. Like the four years that I was in the military, I was celibate. Just because I was scared of, you know, not my own body, but the projections of other people's fears on my body, Mm. which is the same fear that trans women experience when they go on dates. And it was a lot of dysphoria. It was a lot of fear. Um, I was too scared to put myself out there in the fears of like, well, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had made the same mistake twice after my four years thinking that I was so smart um, and dated another white cis woman who put me through emotional hell. And that's when I had my first, right after that relationship, I had my first experience with a black non-binary person. Mm-hmm. Um for me at that time, it was very taboo in my own mind because I was this masculine military, you know, presenting, you know, fit guy. And this person was high femme, but like had facial hair and a bald head, but like beat for their gods, thigh high leather boots, corset, the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my entire life. And I would, I, from that moment, I was like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> but Picasso, I like it. Very, that, uh, I, it sounds like it's giving very him from the Powerpuff Girls. Like, that's that's what I saw when you yes, described. It was, it was giving very that, but like in the most chickening way. Mm. Um, and I ended up sparking a conversation with that person mm-hmm. um, that led into a whole relationship. And in the beginning, it was really amazing um but it had some harder moments because and it you know I've gone through the the feelings of like you know trauma and like how you form first resentment and then you know blaming then you take accountability and when I look at that relationship now I have so much love for it because I'm just like we were not ready for each other at that time we're me not knowing anything about at that time, I didn't know anything about the King community mm-hmm. or, you know, polyamory or non-binary, mm-hmm. you know, the, my trans experience was like a military trans experience. And there's not too many of us in there. And I was only in community with white people and my home spaces. Right. So being in a community that's full of like black, non-binary trans women, create a ballroom. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I got informed and, you know, invited into all of these spaces and meeting all these experiences where I didn't have experiences with trans people 
in intimate ways before that. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, meet trans guys on the internet where I would like interact with, but trans people that I now felt intimacy with or trans people that Mm -hmm. I now felt attraction to, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, well, what does this mean for me? Like, and I even went through the toxic mindsets of like, does this mean I'm gay? (laughs) Am I gay? Am Have I, the, I been straight this whole time? Am I the villain? <laughs> am I? <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of things that I had to, like, work on as far as my projection. Mm-hmm. Um, because a, a lot, it really hit out a lot of my insecurities at feeling, um, you know, learning, you know, about my insecurities around bottomy and mm. getting through those. Um, because of having like such a disconnect with my body from people's perceptions beforehand and like Mm -hmm. being with a partner, you know, who had different, completely different experience and like learning what that could look like, but also learning that, you know, there's so many goods, but there's, unfortunately there's also cons Mm -hmm. because a community that comes from trauma and, and also comes from hypersexualization and um, comes from, you know, being treated like toys and being treated like sex symbols. We oftentimes unknowingly put that back on our, in our own relationships. Um, in gay culture, it's very prevalent to be over-sexual with each other, even in your friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a trans masked person coming from, a feminine experience before and being told like you're wanting it you're asking for it like you know you should have done better mm-hmm. it's your fault to being the trans masculine person and now having harm being done on you um and being told those same things you wanted it you asked for it mm-hmm. you were being sexual you're bigger you're stronger right. it's your fault mm-hmm. um can be very harmful and very confusing to navigate right because we also want to give respect to, you know, those feminine experiences and what uh, those experiences go to. But there is a set of privilege, um, whether people like to acknowledge the lived experience that they had before transitioning, um, whether they identify with that experience, the world still had that perception. So they still got to move through the world with certain privileges. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of those mindsets are still in there. And we don't have very open conversations about that all the time. I agree. And I appreciate you um, being the willingness and the the vulnerability you spoke of earlier. I'm glad you're allowing that to be on display right now and telling us how you felt about everything. Um, And I, and I do, I know a lot of cishet people look at uh, the queer community at large and go like, they're just, but that's because the emphasis is that we do things in in a sexual way that's different and it's not a bad thing it's just that we just do things in a different kind of way they're just jealous because they're boring that's all (laughs) that's what I tell them in my healing I got really into the kink community Mm. and at first I was like oh I'm you know it's because I'm sexually liberated and all this great stuff Um, But really, once I started doing the workshops and the education, it really became about the fact that I now have autonomy over my voice and my body. And kink is a great way that, like, forced 
forces you to talk about consent in ways that are so literal and so focused Mm -hmm. so that in the normal dating life like those conversations can be so helpful about checking in and boundaries and consent Mm -hmm. and things that dating the gay culture thinks is like oh that's hot or actually you know can be some of our most toxic like assuming you know kissing people without consent or grabbing people without consent um, and just kind of assuming the you know the intent where we're like oh that's hot which is actually just like perpetuating that fact of like unconsensual right interactions yeah it's and i think also i love this eyebrow like graze you do every time you say like that's hot (laughs) i love that first of all (laughs) but the second thing is yeah this is very much the um the the concept of consent and things is um i would say far few in between when it comes to that when it comes to culture in that kind of way you know you can definitely i will i can hop skip and jump right to a gay bar um right now and there is just you know the the touching and the closeness and the you know this is how i'm suggesting to you that i'm interested in you rather than just talking to that person it's always about this kind of like i'm it's action oriented which i'm here for action but as long as someone says, I give you permission to do said action. And that doesn't happen very often. It's like, oh, you have your shirt off in this club because you're sweating. Let me touch you. Or, you know, you have a bulge. So let me grab that. Or you have an ass. Let me just grab that. I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. Everybody don't want that. Um, Everybody don't need you to be doing all that. People have boundaries. They're trying to, they may be here for vastly different reasons than yourself. And, you know that is definitely a, a negative part about community. And I won't just say it's, um, you know, cis gay men, like a lot of people do it in community. I've definitely even seen some of my sisters be like, oh, that's a man, I can go ahead and do X, Y, and Z to him. Just like, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't show, not that. And that's a lot of the, the as I'm newly in ballroom, that's been a lot of my experience. Um, which I'm not going to lie, it really did deter me from wanting to pursue um, interactions with trans femme, butch queens, or like femininity that flirted with that masculinity, that masculine privilege. Mm -hmm. Because that's a very scary thing for a trans man to have that femininity flirt with the masculine privilege because we don't also get that same grace. When we say that we've been harmed, when we say that we've been hurt, it's like, you're a trans man, you know, get over it. But like in community, as soon as a femme has been harmed and like, oh, a trans man did this to me, it's like, you did it. Right. But that same, that same care and respect over our harm is not given. Um, And there's a lot of, I can speak from my own personal trans experience um, of having that be a weapon, which makes it Mm. a little hard to navigate those you know, want to navigate those spaces of either feeling, uh, you know, especially in ballroom and you, it also comes down to like systemic privilege of a lot of these trans women have been, you know, put into work where they have to be a certain way. They're talked to a certain way. They're Mm. treated a certain way. And if you treat someone around like a toy long enough, that's all they're going to know how to do. Mm -hmm. So in turn, they treat trans men with that same energy, like that chaser energy and that toy energy to be played with mm-hmm. and because trans men don't want to offend the femininity because we know what that femme experience is mm-hmm. there's a lot of like gaslighting we do to our own experience mm-hmm. causing more harm to ourselves 
I completely, so, I can, I can see it. No, I, I, you keep going. I'm just, I agree. Oh yeah. Um, so just like wanting to open up those spaces where it's just like not trying to say that trans women are inherently bad. I, my partner is a trans woman and it's something that we've gotten to cultivate in our relationship is that like aspect of where does my privilege really lie? Um, as you know, a mask person with, you know, vagina body privilege mm -hmm. and cons because it's a privilege and a con, but, and then also my partner, like, where does her privilege lie in, you know, being a trans woman, trans woman of a certain body, um, and what we, you know, perpetuate against each other in harmful ways, um, and how we can better communicate around that. Uh, and I am so grateful for that experience because it is healing to be able to see people of the same experience that trans experience, um, get to break down and unlearn these things together and directly show each other that care completely and that safeness. I, I agree. And I appreciate you again, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And I really want to echo the concept that you said at the very beginning is in so many words is that hurt people hurt people. And so, yes. um, for my sisters out there, you know, the trans femmes, I understand that the trade has done you wrong, girl. They Ooh, have, they have, I, they have been doing you wrong okay. from the gate. They, they was your, you know, maybe they wasn't trade. Maybe they was your daddy. Maybe it was your brother. Maybe it was your cousin, uncle, mm -hmm. and block a block of blue. And then you grew up, and then the then the real trade started acting acting a certain kind of way. Girl, I get it. I was there. I understand it. But because you've been hurt, because you've been um been put through things, it doesn't give you the license to um, being, and, and I'm going to say this, um, misogynistic towards people who are assigned female at birth. It doesn't give you that uh, agency and that ability to be able to do that. And, you know, I know a lot of my sisters are probably like, well, I'm hurt and he's a man, so he should be able to, I'm like, see, you want, and, and this is that, that, that fun moment where it's like, you want men to be available and emotional, like you were talking about at the very beginning. And now it's like, if you're constantly beating him down, that doesn't help anything. So you have to also have your willingness to be open and available too. So there's a part of masculinity that has boxed you off. Although you may present and exude the femininity, the, the, um, the arrogance, the audacity that masculinity can present itself to be sometimes can still definitely be there. And it can be easily pushed and tr uh, transferred upon folks in the trans and the in the trans masculine community. So it's very important that we find that balance and have that dialogue and have that communication. Because just because you're at the intersection of blackness and transness and womanhood, I grow now, everything is fucked up at this intersection. But just because you turn around and there's one more person <laughs> that you can possibly do something negative to, that'll mean you should. Yeah, I want to also put an open message to trans men uh, out here who could be listening to this is that this I don't want to ever invalidate you. Every trans femme is a queen and should be treated like one. But that treatment starts within yourself mm. and you need to know that treatment within yourself. Because if you don't, then the people around you who are trying to pour into you and try to pour in love to you will have to suffer around you. Mm there will never be enough to pour into um 
just because people are kind and choose to be vulnerable with you does not mean that softness is weakness. And I know that's an outplayed saying, but mm -hmm. you know, if we want to talk about masculinity and we want to talk about opening up, then we can't, you know, be making fun of people's softness in them trying to open up or finally admit where they're hurt or harmed. Um, we can't be shaming them for bringing their hurt or harm mm -hmm. to the fore focus, even if the harm is coming from another, you know, group who is also harmed mm -hmm. it needs to be able to be an open conversation but i say that you are all beautiful and you are all deserving of so much love i wish you understood that that love wants to be shared and open and spread um that it no longer you can release those parts of yourself that feel the need to hurt others to repent for that hurt that was done onto you mm. they're matching the scale does not feel better Having that control over someone the way that, that people have that control over you does not feel better. Ooh, rewind that back. I should put a rewind sound right here. <laughs> Play that back because that was it. It's kind of like that question is like, so what do you get from putting other people down? What what does what does that give you? What does that give you your va va boom? Does that give you your does that give you your tens? What does that give you, sis? Because or just people in general, actually, what does that give you to make someone feel like they're less than because you're hurt? That that does nothing. And as much as we want to be um, open and available, and as much as we want someone to love us, other folks in our community want that as well. And so if we're causing harm to them, we're only causing harm to ourselves. And so it does, it does nothing, I nothing. I can't save nobody. Ooh, we singing now? Go ahead. I'm ready. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so you much. Know, Beyonce's for the Vogue now, so. Oh, oh, baby. If she don't come on this video and wear it out, I'm going to be very upset. And she better have the very. kids out there. She better have the kids. I'm still upset that she didn't have Big Freed on the track. And I may have predicted wrong in the previous episode. But she didn't put Big Freed again as a, and not a feature. I'm just like, girl, why you not paying her? Give her. Anyway. Yeah, thank you. <sighs> anyway. I that's, a, have, that's, a, that's an episode for another day. I'm, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my field day about it. I'm frustrated. I love the song and I love her, but I'm just going to have a field day about Listen, it. Listen, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. <laughs> But I want to, um, before we go to the final segment, I do want to ask, um, because you talk about your partner as a trans woman, and so, not that you have to give all the ups, downs, nitty gritties, but I would love to know how y'all met each other and how y'all got to be where y'all at today. Uh, well, I always like to preface that it depends on who you ask, uh, but we originally saw each other on Instagram about five years ago, okay. and created an online friendship of just like support and you know trans people who do the same work of trans activism mm -hmm. and just showing up as ourselves and I met them the first time at a photo shoot um that they were doing here in Seattle and I was actually with their um I was with one of their previous partners mm -hmm. when it happened uh and I met them and I was like oh like you're cool and then we hugged and I was like that was more than a hug. <laughs> okay. Noted. Noted. And then about a year later, we ended up in the same space again. Um, like over online, I was just like talking and reconnecting like on a more intimate level. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then she was forward. She invited me to New York. She paid for my flight. Oop, you got flewed out. Oop, Jesus. Baby. <laughs> for um, our, our one-year anniversary is about to be on Friday for Pride. Uh, we spent New York Pride together for the first Pride. That is so cute. Oh, my God. She is a culture. She makes me happy. <laughs> that is so cute. Well, I am... I'm 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 ex I'm extremely I love um, first of all I love what do they say T for T love I love that that is Listen, I, we say we are demisexual we are polyamorous we are trans we are just ethically non monogamous and ethical sluts I, <laughs> ethical sluts out here ethical sluts I love that um, but you know this is one of those things that I always try to rationalize and try to think for myself is like. Who understands you and your experience better than someone who's literally, you know, it's like two passing ships in the night and then you finally get to the same Listen. port and you're like, oh, so you get it. I don't have to, ex- there's so much of me I don't have to explain. Baby, I love, I love cis people. I love them. They out here, they doing their cis thing. But dating a trans person, it changes, it changes everything. There's so many conversations you don't, you know how many conversations you can have when you don't have to have formality conversations. Mm. The, I already understand what you're getting ready to say. Don't even open your mouth. I already get it. Just lay right here and I will take, baby. Oh my goodness. If I can get a man to do that, child. Hi. And I say, find you a trans, a healed, quote, emphasis, healed. Or healed. Actively in therapy. That should be a requirement for every person you date, cis, trans, actively in therapy. Actively. And and, and see, I will, tell oh. a, I will tell a man with the quickness. I'd be like, yes, yeah, so I went to therapy so he can know that I'm getting healed, baby. So when I show up to this fucking door and be like, so I'm... So you won't gaslight me. Oh. Because I'll have a therapist to talk this through with. Oh. And if you can't get therapy, um, you know, there's definitely resources out there. Get a good there. support system. Get a, get a good auntie, but make sure you're uh, giving reciprocal care, whether it's, you know, in the form of monetary or healing or love or food. Or, remember that we're reciprocating care in 2022. We are not just using our black and brown community as emotional support without payment. Oof. And we'll we'll put cash apps uh, and such in the bottom in the description with uh, with Elijah's information. Um, he has it in his bio on Instagram too. So <laughs> pay trans people for their labor. Period. That part. Um, so let's take another small break, and then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna hear about some of the amazing things that Elijah's been up to in his work. We will be right back. All right, this is the last section. We are back, back, back again with Elijah. This is our last section. Um, And so, of course, these are the episodes for um, men who are attracted to trans women and have um, relationships with them and such and so forth. If you want to hear other episodes with trans trans masculine folks, I'll have to look that episode, those episodes up. But if you want to look for men who are attracted to trans women, if you're looking for that kind of support or that understanding, you can go to any episode that has a seven in it. 
So this is episode 87 and then 77 and 67 and going backwards and so forth. So any episode um, about a man attracted to trans women, you can go back and listen to those episodes. Those are some of my highest rated episodes and listen to episodes, not on, not unironically, unfortunately. So, but um, we have Elijah, um, a lovely trans masculine person who's been dropping the gems from the beginning. And so now we're going to find out some of the work that he has been up to on his social medias because he's got a nice cute 11,000 followers on the gram, honey. So he is out here doing what's necessary. So can you please talk about some of the work that you have been doing, my dear? Yeah, actually, I'm just coming back into the workforce as far as like social media influencing from the last three years of like trying to not do anything big, um, just kind of like posting my daily life because I wanted to see, you know, if I could get relevant again, you know, mm. if that whole idea of like take time, it will be there when you come back was actually real. Um, and I recently just got back from Portland Pride um, and helping a friend do some work with Nike which uh, for the kids, the trans kids at play mm-hmm. campaign, which was really inspirational and fun and just gave me a lot of hope as being like my first, not even like my project, it was a friend's project, um, but like getting to be there and getting to be a part of it was like the first time that I felt motivated in my field to get back into you know, trans activism and to want to be more in the, you know, the spotlight. I had gone through a phase of, you know, dimming my shine mm. so that I wouldn't take too much of the shine. But then and coming to terms with there's enough shine for everyone to go around and I shouldn't have to dim my light um, for others to shine. If I have to dim my light for others to shine, then their shine was just a reflection of me. I agree. I think that's beautiful and then more so than that um there's plenty of things out here for everyone everyone can get the things that they need they they like to tell us like no there's stuff missing and blah 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 blah, and you can't do this the sparsity lifestyle is over sparsity is over we are in abundance Ooh, speaking of abundance that took me exactly where i wanted to go in my brain um what it what it electra on on season three of post spoiler alert spoiler if you haven't seen it but she confronts her mother in one of the flashbacks and she's like no i don't want to tone it down i want more i want more i deserve more and guess what she got in the end more. more because there's plenty out here people will there's so there's more there's so there's much more. more don't believe in the scarcity so i just want to say that but you are working um you mentioned the nike thing so congratulations on that that is fantastic and then i mean go ahead i'm also in the process of moving so i flew back the not yesterday the day before yesterday and i'm flying or i'm driving out from here to Vegas on mm. Friday. So I have three days to pack my house. Three. Which, as you can see, I have not done yet. I, but we're getting there. Uh, we're um, And run all my errands. So it's just like, got back into it and got straight back into it. Now I have to realize like, this is what working feels like again, like full time. Mm-hmm. People have that illusion, like you leave your nine to five to, you know, work for yourself to work twenty four seven. 
I, and I think you were saying earlier that um, being an influencer is, um, <laughs> even if it's unintentionally influencing, it's challenging because you have to try to make connections and then try to create content. And then now you're like, I'm going to move. And moving is like in the top three of the worst things you can do as a grown adult. Cause it's like, and even moving next door, like moving stuff from uh. one building to the next building next door is tragic. You need like four days to make that even happen. So moving from one state to another state, bless your heart, bless your ministry. <laughs> um, I'm driving four days in a U-Haul. You better do it. Is so. Is there something ex, um, amazing waiting on the other side um, at Vegas as far as careers and things are um, going to be? Yes. Um, there's a couple things that are about to be happening. Some of them are very secret and are going to be coming out very soon. I'm so excited. Um, Super secret project. Love that. It's going to be in the realms of I'm going to be performing again. Yes. What's so we will be looking for, um, they're going to be in the realms of ballroom performances, but also burlesque performances, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even some musical performances. <laughs> I might be getting me and the guitar back on stage, which I have not done in a really long time. So it'd be really cool to like perform again. I used to, um, play guitar and sing some of my own songs and perform those so singer, it would be cool songwriter. to singer songwriter burlesque performer a previous military activist okay you sound perfect <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, and you perfection doesn't exist and you healed and you're healed oh no nah. listen <laughs> The, the ing for me. The ing. I'm healing. Forgive me. I'm going to. I'm going to redact that. But no, I think that's lovely, and I support all those endeavors that you have going forward and doing all those lovely things. I think that's just so important, and I can't wait to see what these projects are going to be, and we'll definitely share it with our audience even the more so. You know, when those events come up, like if there are tickets, we talking about paying trans people, tickets maybe and yes. something that comes up. Come or... buy some tickets, come throw some dollars on me. Oh. Um, I will, I just... Make it rain. Make it rain for your performers. I, I always say that people always want to, people always want to enjoy art, but they don't want to fund it. And I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> Like Co-sign. yes, Co-sign. they're like I want to I want to go watch a singer, but I don't want to pay them. They should just get exposure. That's fine, right? I'll just post it on my Instagram. Like that's good enough. I'm like no, girl, I have bills. Like I have shit to pay for. Or like if people want you to come and speak and present at different functions about your experience. Oh, uh, that part. That part. Yeah, like can we Listen. just like pay you like a few dollars to like show up and talk for a couple of hours and teach everyone about Exposure what it means to be true? Exposure is not payment. Merch is not payment. Mm. Exposure is not payment. Merch is not payment. That should be one of your Remember songs that. right there. That's one of your songs right there. Merch is so. not payment. <laughs> we have a new hit. So many people want to use our emotional labor not want to use their monetary bills. Hmm. That's... <laughs> I, 
I, yeah, okay, yeah, this is gonna be one of my favorites. I already know it. This is gonna be one of my favorites. I love this. I'm gonna come back and be like, oh, that hit right where I, right where I need it. <laughs> and so I don't know how much you can talk about the, um, the Nike experience and working for the kids that are, you know, trans that are just literally trying to, I don't know. I, 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 we've had plenty of conversations on the podcast and episodes about the trans youth and the things that they're going through and the lack of support that they are receiving and the immense amount of backlash and all the anti-trans legislation that's taking place. And for some reason, people are just like, well, you know, I know about six things about this conversation and I have a high school degree and I did biology in eighth grade. So I know what's going on here. So, right. um, so can you speak a little bit to like what the kids, cause you were obviously there. So what the kids are needing and their experiences and, you know, and as someone who, you know, did what, sports in high school. I think what the kids are needing and it's the easiest thing to provide, but the one thing that no one wants to procure the capacity to do is be listened to. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation is completely happening without them without their voices, without the people who are being affected, um, which is, you know, just as bad as the Roe versus Wade of having men speak on, you know, abortion laws, mm-hmm. is having all these adults try to say how little children, because I spent this week with, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds, up to 18 year olds um, of trans athletes who got to come onto this campus and like feel like superstars and feel great and but who are ultimately going back to these states where they still can't play sports mm-hmm. and they're still bullied and they're still told that they're you know sinners and you know that they're not enough or they're you know they're too much so i think out of all of this and like being around the kids it really just kind of solidified the same thing that as adults we're all going through and it it's hard for us to hear because it's hard for us to fathom that a child of the age of, you know, seven or eight is aware enough to, to be that angry about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And how do you look that child in the face and tell them, because what they're saying is not wrong, but tell them that they don't know about themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think this is the time where if you really want to respect trans kids and you really want to protect trans kids, and start listening to those trans kids because they're speaking, they're screaming. It's not just us, um, you know, our generation, but it's the it's the youngers after us who some of them have been transitioning since they were three, mm-hmm. four years old, and this is the only life experience that they have. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, you know, I I say unfortunately because I have walking through the world twenty years of my life in a femme experience, so I have that mental dictionary of what it's like and i can apply that to my masculinity whereas some of these kids they only know their lives as who they know who they are Mm -hmm. and because they have supportive parents and family who allows them to do that and because they've transitioned so young where there's blockers and there's you know hormones and Mm -hmm. they even they you never know these new trans kids is a different level oh but they also get the same treatment that we do. They just don't know how to process it because they don't mm-hmm. understand why there's even a conversation. Right. Exactly. So make more space 
for trans children to speak and their voices because they are our next generation. Exactly. Thank you so much for saying that. And, you know, I see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of videos of kids coming up to speak to a council of old white fuddy-duddy men. And they're just like, I just want to play basketball. And, you know, listening to like a 10-year-old try to say that to a council of people, you know, they're just like, okay, but, you know, this and this and this. And they're not really listening, like you said, to what the kids need and things like that. And I really and I really think a lot of people are like, it's going to disrupt the balance of how sports are going to work. I'm just like, no, not really. And if And my real thing... And this is genuinely me. If you didn't want us to play the sports with you, then you should be funding uh, trans kids to have their own division to play sports together. But if we're going to do that, um, you ain't going to pay no money to do that. And then also that's more isolation and yeah. more easily targeting the kids. But, you know, that's yeah. just... Because the FINA... I do also want to bring recognition to the FINA law that just got passed for swimmers. Um, that now prohibits not just U.S., but worldwide, the trans swimmers can't swim mm. and they can't compete. They have to have their own other category now. Fun. How nice. And I, I'm... <laughs> see, I'm not... See, I'm Listen. Not, and see, I'm not a sports person, so I'm not super... That's, you know, that's not my conversation and not my, you know, my ministry to be out having in front of people and things like that. So that's why I appreciate folks Listen, like yourself. it's barely mine anymore. It's barely mine anymore. I like to know that, like, I have the experience of playing sports in school and, you know, getting that part of my life. Though it's not my life, I'm not... You know, we have amazing influencers like Skylar Baylor, mm -hmm. Thomas, you know, who are actively in these fields working on these things every day for their representation. Um, and that's why we have so many influencers in the trans community who are trans activism, because there's so many umbrellas and so many different, you know, ministries that need to be heard mm -hmm. that we need our voices to be amplified because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. I agree. At the crux of it, um, let the kids play because period like kids be kids yeah cause y'all are doing like way kids. too much and I and I and it also it and, and I saw this on Twitter and I read this long article and this mother's testimony about how one person accused her cis daughter of being trans because she's taller and whatever the case may be and this baby had to go through way too much just to continue playing the sport that she wanted to play. And people were like, oh my gosh, this is what it means. I'm just like, yes, all it would take is one person to just point at you and just say this. And the desire that people have to protect, you know, sports that are pertaining and surrounding the concept of women being at the focal point of it. I'm like, y'all don't care that much about it to begin with. So relax. Um, that's the first thing. And then if you really cared about it, then you will put more money into it. So, you know, the, the women who want to play those sports can get paid the same way that, you know, the, the, you know, Steph Curry, my husband, he just got paid all this damn money to win this basketball stuff. So I'm like, pay the women who win the tournaments this and stuff the same way. Oh, you don't want to do that. Right. Cause you don't care about women. No. Nope. <sighs> but you, but you so concerned about these 12 year olds. <laughs> Playing basketball. Anyway. Yeah. 
anyway, I can. We, I'm, I'll, I'll have a field day. And I'll, I'll have a field day. <laughs> I was about day to say, that would, that would be a whole episode on its own. I need to get someone who is like on that front line, not the maybe not the front line because they're busy, but someone who's like there doing that kind of stuff. I need to get someone on the mic for that. So if you, I got you, if you need someone, I would appreciate that. See, this is how you build community and connect with people, folks. You have to be willing to talk and be open. See, I will take that person's name and I will surely be sending a message just like we did for this. Mm-hmm. But um, I really want to thank you Um Elijah, so much for your time, attention, your energy, your words of wisdom. Um, yeah, this is going to be a good one. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, for those who would like to... Thank you for having me. Of course. For those who want to, um, you know, make it rain on you um, and follow you and support you and all those lovely things and add to your following roster, where can they find you on the social medias? So you can find me at Divine underscore deception, D-E-V-I-N-E underscore deception, D-E-C-P-T-I-O-N. Work. So that's, is that for all the social media or is that just Instagram? My Instagram, you will find a link that will have all of my social media platforms. Work. Okay. And so I will put those links in the description so you'll be able to support Elijah because uh, he's moving and he's going to need the funds. And when he gets there, he's going to need yeah. y'all to support him. <laughs> Rain me some dollars. Hello. Uh, pay us. Hello. Thank you. Um, and so I think that's going to be it. Are, do you have any parting words for our lovely audience? Don't be scared of your flaws or your predetermined weaknesses. They are what are going to paint your beautiful picture at the end. Mm. Well, I ain't going to say nothing after that. Thank y'all so much for tuning into this lovely episode of Black to the Future. Thank you again, Elijah. And y'all stay tuned for the next upcoming episode. Love you so much. Take care. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Black to the Future. Yes, thank you for joining us. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black to the Future Podcast. And don't forget to use the hashtag Black to the Future Podcast as well. Share the content and please leave positive reviews. Yeah, all that. <laughs> and we will see y'all in the future. Don't you mean Black to the Future? Oh, I guess you're right. We'll see y'all black to the future. future.